uh, I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Oh, hold on. Hold on, I've got last week's message up. <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks. It was good. I don't know if you want to hear it again, though. <laughs> he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, this whole Psalm 23 is about comfort. It's about peace. It's about assurance. And as I was saying last week, uh, Christianity or walking with Christ doesn't mean that you're never going to go through a valley because Psalm 23 says, though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Um, But it does say you're going to go through it. And I want to declare to you this morning, no matter what's going on in your world or your life, you're going to come through it in Jesus' name. You're going to come out the other side. And it says he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I love this verse. Not only does our great shepherd, the Lord, our leader, have the resources of the desire to provide for us so that we shall not lack the tenderness and compassion to restore my soul when I'm fatigued, the wisdom and comfort and peace to lead me through every darkened valley as our trust in him, but he has the strength, the influence and the determination to bless me to bless you abundantly no matter who is against you, no matter who resists you, no matter who stands in your way, no matter who conspires against you. I love that verse. That means that our blessing or our future or our purpose is not determined by any other person. It's determined by the Lord. Even though there's people at work in our lives and 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 uh, coming in and out of our lives and, and family and, and uh, work colleagues and uh, all those things, Jesus Christ has the strength, the influence, and the determination to bring about His purpose, to bring blessing no matter who resists you. He sets a table for me. Um, and uh, that image in the original language, it's not talking about He sets up a card table over in the corner with a couple of cheese and crackers. It's not talking about hidden away in the back room somewhere. It's saying he prepares a table. In the original language, it's actually referring to a banquet. He's saying, I set out a banquet for you in front of those who oppose you, those who are against you, those who refuse or will not support you. Um, so no matter who comes against us, who opposes, who dislikes you. I remember the first time I found out that someone didn't like me and I was in church. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Could not believe it. But uh, anyway, I've got used to it. <laughs> it wasn't this church. It was back in the old days. <laughs> Whoever resists us, who bad mouths us, it really doesn't matter because Jesus Christ is preparing the things that he has in store for us, that we will feast, that we will be provided for, that we will be looked after no matter what else 
is going on around us. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. That's a comforting thought. That's an encouraging thought, particularly if you are in a situation where circumstances have conspired against you or someone's working against you or someone is resisting you or someone is out to get you, uh, whether it's a family member or a friend or a, or a, uh, a work colleague or even a, a boss or someone that is over us that uh, doesn't like us or is determined to, uh, to crash our career or our future. It doesn't matter when Jesus is making the way. And this pattern is reinforced throughout the Scriptures. If you know the stories of the Bible, over and over again, this whole concept, this whole idea is reinforced throughout the stories. There's the story of Jacob and Laban. If you know that story where uh, Laban was basically out to get everything he could off Jacob. And I mean, Jacob had his own deals going on. Uh, but he was tricked, he was deceived, his wages were changed over and over again. And without God's blessing, without God moving and giving him a, a strategy, he would have been left penniless and broke and basically served his uncle most of his life. But despite Laban's cunningness and despite his machinations and despite his, his determination to, to use Jacob and give him nothing, God brought about blessing and prosperity and his purpose to bear, even though Laban was working against him. Uh, Joseph and Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. Uh, if you know the story of Jacob, uh, of uh, Joseph, over and over again, people worked against him to stop God's purpose coming to pass. He'd been given a vision, and then his brothers tried to uh, cut that off early on, worked against him sent him off, we're going to kill him, that didn't happen, sold him off to, into slavery, he rose up, became the head over his, his slave owner's home and then the, his wife conspired against him because he, she wouldn't, he wouldn't fit in with what she wanted to do and again he came down but over and over again, no matter who came against him, no matter who conspired against him, no matter who betrayed him, God raised him up. God brought about his great purpose. Now that is a comforting thought. That when our trust is in the Lord, it doesn't matter who else is against us. It doesn't matter who else is trying to destroy us or to uh, wipe us out, whether it be uh, relationally or financially or career-wise. God is on your side. God is on your side. There's a story of Nehemiah and Sanballat, another classic example where Nehemiah had been given a purpose by God and Sanballat was doing everything he can to undermine it, to stop it from happening, to work against him through, uh, through um, words and uh, spreading rumors and lies and intimidation and uh, outright corruption. And yet at the end of the day, Nehemiah rose up. Was it easy? No. But he also saw God's purpose prevail. And uh, I just want to talk a little bit about this, another story in the Bible, similar scenario. Uh, it's found in the book of Esther. Does anyone know the book of Esther? Read the book of Esther? Great book in the Bible. But there's a story of a guy called Mordecai and his adversary by the name of Haman, the Agagite. Don't you love the names in the Bible? <laughs> the Agagite. Haman, the Agagite. So Mordecai 
Mordecai walked, he worked in the royal palace. He was like middle management. And uh, he was good at his job. He was well liked by the CEO. He, uh, he um, was well liked by his peers. He did a, he did a good job. Uh, there was a 2IC within this organisation. His name was Haman. And Haman was a bit of a megalomaniac. Uh, and really uh, coveted the power and the influence and the prestige and the honour of all the employees of the organisation. Um, so Haman didn't like Mordecai. Not because he wasn't good at his job. Not because he was a troublemaker. Not because he was a lazy worker. Haman didn't like Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't kiss Haman's butt. <laughs> to put it in a common vernacular. He wouldn't kowtow to him. He, wouldn't, uh, he wanted everyone to worship him. He wanted everyone to bow down, kneel down and show honour. And, and Mordecai wouldn't do it. And so Haman despised him. Um, and, you know, oftentimes in life, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in different organisations, whether it even be in church sometimes, some church organisations, sometimes people uh, crave the power or the authority or the influence and uh, not for honourable reasons. They just want people to uh, look up to them and kiss their butt. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> I'm just getting some feedback from my wife here. Just hold on a sec. She's a bit like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean when I say that? It's, it's, I'm talking metaphorically, you know. <laughs> metaphorically speaking. <laughs> um, and this happens. It, this happens regularly where there's, there's tension between um, people wanting. It's amazing how it can happen in even in sporting organisations, even in, uh, we see it sometimes in our, um, some of our kids growing up, in, in soccer, associations, where all, there's just, sometimes these people, they're just there and it's like they just, oh, they, they want the power. And they'll go around the back and they'll get groups together to, and they'll go to the association meetings and, uh, and you say, what the heck, get a life. <laughs> but, um, but there's something in people at times, and they, they just want that, whether it's a, a need, whether it's a, a weakness, whether it's something that's happened to them. But um, Haman was like this. Even though he was 2IC, he really wanted all the power, all the influence, all the prestige. Um, and he used the CEO's power and influence to get that. Um, and so Haman devised, he, he devised a plan to have Mordecai, this guy in middle management, and everyone that was associated and close to him, wiped out. He wanted them fired. He wanted them out of the organisation. He wanted them gone. And so he devised a plan. He began to work this plan in place. Uh, and he, so he said his... He, uh, and so he, he devised this great plan, and then he presented it to the CEO, the king. Xerxes, and he goes, oh, I think this is a great idea. This is going to be good for you. It's going to be good for the organization. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to lead to prosperity and blessing and great influence and increase in our organization. And the king's like, well, that sounds good. He's 
put the plan out there. He's got the forecasts. He's got the, the budgets. And he's going, wow, this looks good. And he goes, okay, put it in place. Go, get about it. So Haman's like, awesome. I've Now I've got the tick. I'm off. I'm going to wipe these guys out for not giving me the uh, due recognition that I deserve. So he's... So he sets about this plan, this devious plan. And uh, if you read the story, I haven't got time to read all of it, but he uh, decides that he's going to build these massive gallows, this, this big hanging point, 75 foot high. And so it's basically saying he wanted, he wanted everyone to see Mordecai's failure. He wanted, he wanted, it was like he was going to put him on Q&A. It's going to put him on the current affair in front of everybody to, to expose his failure and his fall from grace and, and, the, and his bankruptcy or whatever it was. He wanted everybody to see. He didn't want to just do it, but he wanted to glory and, and, and gloat in the victory over Mordecai. Um, so he makes this big announcement. He puts his plan in place. He goes about it. And then... Isn't it amazing the providence of God? Providence is a scary doctrine. Because providence, if we believe in God's plan and purpose and orchestration of our lives, means that sometimes it's a thrilling and yet other times frightening thought that we are not in charge of our destiny. We are not in control of everything that is going on in our life, that our trust is in a good, loving, merciful and gracious Father who is orchestrating our life and bringing us towards a tremendous end and future. Providence is a doctrine of the Bible. Providence is something we believe in. uh, Mordecai was scared for his life. He was, he'd heard about what was going on and basically that he was going to, Haman wanted to wipe the Jews out uh, of Egypt at the time. Um, no, not Egypt, they're in Babylon. And so uh, he, was, he was scared. And sometimes things will happen in our life that are orchestrated by people who have authority over us or influence over our circumstances or our life that will scare you. Because they have natural power. They can wipe you out, whether it be financially. If you've ever worked or had a situation where someone um, had engaged lawyers or something like that and they were going after you, it's frightening. Or if you're in a financial situation where you're doing a deal and someone has um, betrayed you or has deceived you and set you up and basically going to take everything that you've invested um, many, many scenarios that can take place. And yet, as believers, although we use our brain, obviously, in our wisdom and we make decisions, sometimes we don't see what's going on. Sometimes we don't have the natural power, influence and control to do what we need to do. And we trust in the providence and the goodness of God that He will bring about justice in our lives. So, uh, so what happens? 
So all this stuff's going on. This whole plan is being put into motion. It's, it's beginning to happen. And then God puts a thought in the CEO's mind. Fancy that. He's asleep one night or he wakes up and there's this thought in his mind. What have you done for Mordecai? That tremendously loyal middle management, ma- that manager in middle management that looks after that department who has been your advocate and who has supported you and has rallied the troops around your leadership and your direction. What have you done for him? He wakes up, he goes, oh, I hadn't even thought about him. So he wakes up. How's this? Haman, the two I see, just happens to be in the area. And Haman calls uh, the the king, the CEO, calls Haman in and he goes, in verse, uh, in Esther chapter 6, he goes, what would be appropriate for the man the king especially wants to honour? And it says, Haman thought to himself, he must be talking about honouring me. Who else? That's what it actually says. Who else? So he answers the king. For the man the king delights to honour. Do this. Bring a royal robe that the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden. One with a royal crown on its head. Then give the robe and the horse to the one... uh, what I'm saying, one of the royal crown on his head. Then give the robe and the horse to the one the king's most of one of the king's most noble princes. Have him robe the man whom the king especially wants to honor. Have the prince lead him on horseback through the city square, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man whom the king especially wants to honor. So Amen goes, This is a great idea, boss. If you really want to bless someone, if you really want to honour someone within your organisation, <laughs> then do this. Give them this massive bonus. Give them this prestige. Take them throughout the place. Put them on TV. Let everyone see that this person is an awesome person. And the king says, go and do it, Haman. Don't waste a minute. Take the robe and the horse and do everything you've proposed to Mordecai. <laughs> what the heck? Everything you've said, I want you to give it to Mordecai. He goes, how do you even know who Mordecai is? He's down the bottom doing middle management things. We're up here with the real work, making the real decisions. And he says, don't leave out a single detail of your plan. <laughs> don't you love God? I love the Lord so much. He is just incredible. And then it says, verse 13, it says, Haman's wife. So this two IC guy, it says, he goes and tells him, he goes and tells his wife what's happened. And she says, if this Mordecai is in fact a Jew, in other words, what she's saying, if 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 this Mordecai is a God worshipper, 
your bad luck's only just begun. <laughs> oh, now there's a prophecy. <laughs> if this person actually worships the Lord and the Lord is working against you, then you are in some serious trouble. <laughs> oh, you don't stand a chance against him. You're as good as ruined. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if I should, <laughs> but I do. <coughs> so Haman's panicking now. Maybe he knows about my plan, or maybe he knows that I've tried to deceive him. All these thoughts are going. See, when you when you work with deception and you work, what's that old saying? Uh, the wicked web that we weave. When you when you're dishonest, when you try and manipulate people, when you deceive people, maybe you tell half truths. Eventually, you're going to get tangled in your own web. Eventually, it's going to come back to bite you. That's why the Bible says it's always good to live just and upright, to be honest and, in, and live with integrity because you sleep well at night and you, and you can trust the Lord that He is going to work everything out on your behalf. You don't need to manipulate. You don't need to undermine. You don't need to, to go about um, climbing your way over the top of every other person in the family or whatever to get the will. God will work it out. So Haman gets invited over to the CEO's home for dinner. This doesn't happen very often. And Mordecai's um, uh, niece, who has become, the, who the CEO, the, the king's become really attached to, she gets invited as well. So all these things are going on in the background. <coughs> um. And so, basically, I haven't got time to tell the whole story, but they're sitting at dinner and, and Esther, who this whole book is written, her, uh, the book's been named after her, Mordecai's um, niece or uh, family member, she says, she basically says, oh, someone in your organisation has basically tried to undermine and wipe out all your loyal contingent or your, your loyal block within the organisation, the people that are loyal to you, the people that are committed to you, has tried to remove them all out of the organisation to tip the scales of influence in their way. And he is outraged. He can't believe it. He goes, who is that person? And she goes, the guy sitting there at your table. <laughs> Haman. <coughs> and... And so the whole thing's exposed. And then the king goes, I can't believe what you've done. See, everything Jesus said that is done in secret will be exposed. Every, every hidden agenda that people have against you will be brought out into the open. We can trust in God to look after us. We can put our faith in God to bring about his great purpose and his word in our lives. That's what believing in Christ means. It means it's not just about turning up to church, although that's important, being in a connect group, serving, and all those things are an important part of being a believer and 
and building the church. But, the end, but at, at its essence, being a Christ follower is about trusting God with our life and with our future, with our financial future, with our relational future, with our, our hopes, dreams and ambitions and saying, God, I, I give these to you. And I trust in your providence, your goodness, no matter who comes against me. And uh, David wrote this psalm, as you know, and David went through, if you read through the psalms, he had some incredible opposition. Uh, Over and over again, he writes throughout the psalms, and yet he wrote this psalm to say, no matter who is against me, in the presence of my enemies, you set a table for me, you provide for me. And not just crackers and dip, (laughs) but a banquet while everybody else is. So what he's saying is God will reward you openly despite who comes against you and in front of them all will honor and reward you. And he goes on to say Habana, one of the eunuchs attending the king, they said, I can't believe this. The whole plan comes open. And then Habana says, look over there. There's the gallows that Haman had built for Mordecai. So he goes, there's the plan. That's what he was going to do. He was going to hang him on those gallows so everyone could see. The man who saved the king's life. Mordecai had saved the king's life earlier on in their relationship. Had uh, exposed a coup, if you like, in the organization. It's right next to Haman's house, 75 feet high. And the king says, hang Haman on it. So Haman was hanged on the very gallows he had built for Mordecai. God will determine that those that work against you, that conspire against you, that take from you. And you know what? Stuff happens in life. Sometimes things happen and you you take them on face value and... And you, uh, and you do get deceived sometimes. You do get undone sometimes. Stuff happens sometimes. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. But God will redeem every area of our life as we trust in Him. He brings about His blessing and He provides a table. And He shows everybody that just happens to not be on your side, that I look after my own. I look after my own. (coughs) Um, (coughs) And you might think, well, hold on, surely if I'm a believer and I'm a Christian and I'm following God and and, uh, living right, everyone's going to love me, right? Everyone's going to love me. Everyone's going to be on my side. I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Unfortunately, that's not the way life works. And particularly if you're prioritizing Jesus in your life, then you're going to face opposition at times, orchestrated not by anything that you've done, but simply because you have an enemy. It's a little bit like um, that old Gary Larson comic, um, if we can show that. I love this one. I don't know if anyone remembers that. It says, hell of a birthmark, Hal. 
<laughs> Hell of a birthmark. When you put your hand up, you say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm living to influence others and see other people's lives touched. Then guess what? You get marked with a target. The enemy does not want you to succeed. The enemy does not want you to prosper. The enemy does not want you to have peace and assurance and certainty in your life to see God's purpose and plans come come about. And so at times, for no reason, for no reason, you'll find people not liking you. You'll find people working against you, not because of anything you've done, but because of what you stand for, because of your belief, because of what you do. But Jesus says this, he says, you put your trust in me. He says, you do not retaliate. You love your enemies. So how can I do that when they're destroying, they're trying to destroy my life? Because we trust in someone who's far greater than anybody who can come against us. Love your enemies, Jesus said. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Not bless them with the right foot of fellowship. (laughs) Not bless them with a five-finger blessing. Just bless them. You say, how can I do that? Because our trust is in someone far greater. We don't need to always rush to our own defense and get things right. And say, you're wrong. (laughs) I'm a good person. Love your enemies. Bless your enemies. He also said in the Sermon on the Mount, pray for the blessing of your enemies. What the heck? Is he on drugs? (laughs) How do you pray for the blessing of those who are out to destroy you? How do you pray for the for the the family and the and the and the financial blessing and the and the hopes and dreams of someone who has conspired to destroy your life? That is not natural. That comes out of out of a spirit that is not of this world. It is not of this world, and the spirit that you carry in Jesus Christ is not of this world. Our trust is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. He brings about justice. He brings about blessing. He turns circumstances and situations around. Maybe not in the time frame that we'd like. Isn't it interesting? It says that um, David says, He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Lord, it'd be just better if He just wiped them all out. Just took them all away. That'd be better. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to get comfortable with the fact that sometimes people don't like you. They're not on your side. They may be working against you. They may be trying to undermine you, but that's okay because God is still going to provide for me. God is still going to bless me. God is still going to prepare a table for me in the presence and while they watch on. And I've just got to be comfortable with the fact that that's life sometimes. That's life.
God's peace is not dependent upon everyone being on your side, being in your corner, cheering you on. It's nice when that happens. It's nice. And you do need that. But if, if you're wanting everyone to like you and everyone to be cheering you on and everyone to be supporting you, then you're going to be disappointed because life's not like that. And the Bible doesn't say that that's going to happen this side of eternity. But what it does say is that even if there are people working against you, even if there are people trying to destroy you, even if they're trying to undermine you, even if they're working against you, God will still provide a table for you, blessing for you, provision for you, hope for you. And because we believe that, then we are able to bless the enemy, love the enemy. Jesus on the cross, He said, bless them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. They do not know what's influencing them. But we know that there is a, the battle's not against flesh and blood. The battle is not against flesh and blood. There is an influence, a devil behind the attacks, behind the abuse, behind the vitriol, behind the, what seems to be um, over and above opposition to the circumstances. <clears throat> but the gospel comes into our world and must change us from the inside out so that we are not responding the way every other person in the world would respond when attacked, when vilified, when undermined, when cheated. Does it feel good? No. Should it be embraced? No. You don't go around looking for it. Some people, it's not the devil, it's just them. They bring on their own enemies. But the gospel comes and changes our perspective. It changes our perspective on life and our future and who controls our destiny. Providence tells us that God will balance the books. Jesus came to balance the books. Jesus came to put things in order. Jesus came to do an audit of the world and of your life and to repay everything. Every time you get ripped off, every time something's stolen, every time something's taken away, Jesus said, I came to balance the books. And I've come to repay everything that, was been, that has been taken from you unjustly. <clears throat> the Bible is a book that constantly reveals a God who turns defeat and seeming failure into victory. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. And Paul said this, and I'll finish with this scripture, Romans 12, 18 to 21. If it is possible, <clears throat> as far as it depends on you. Isn't that interesting? He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you. In other words, sometimes people will aggressively come against you and you can't help that. But he goes, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Live at peace. Choose peace. If it's in your control, choose peace. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed them. If he is thirsty, you give him something to drink. Not cyanide. (laughs) In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Thank you, God. Why don't we all stand here this morning? I tell you, life is not fair sometimes. And sometimes it may feel like there is no justice. And maybe this message that I've spoken has brought up memories or circumstances or situations that makes you emotional. Maybe it makes you angry. Maybe you sense hatred rising up on the inside. Bitterness. Revenge. Justifiable emotions. But ones that the Lord says, instead of pointing them towards that person, give them to me. Put your trust in me. Put your hope in me. I will lift you up. I will turn around the circumstances. I will reward you. May not be in your time frame. May not be how we want it done, but I'm telling you, it will happen. It will happen in Jesus' mighty name. So right now, what I'd like to do, and look, there may not be anybody here, but there may be one person, and that message spoke to you about a a person or a situation in your life or in your past. That when I mention that person, Haman, you know who that person is in your life. You know who's tried to do that to you, who's tried to take you down, who's tried to wipe you out, who's tried to ruin your life. And I'd love you to step out of your seat, just come down the front here and just give the situation to God. And you may have done it in the past, but if it's coming up again, it just, you've got to give it to God. You can't do it in your own strength. Yeah, just come out of your seat. Just come and stand down here. And we're going to, Jesus Christ is going to minister to you the, today, this day, right here, right now. Just step out of your seat. Come down the front. Give it over to God. Let God touch you. Let Him heal you. Let Him bless you. Right here, right now, because He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. I just want us to sing this song. And uh, 
if that is you, and uh, I'm really proud of you guys who have stepped out. But if you're still sitting there and you know I'm talking to you, then come out of your seat and come and stand down the front here and let God touch your life. Let Him minister to you. Let the Holy Spirit blow through your heart, through your circumstances, through your mind, and be reinvigorated with hope and faith and trust again that God is the rewarder of those who follow Him. Thank you, Jesus. Just come out of your seat. Just come and stand down the front.